You're listening to a sermon from Free City Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We exist to extend the glory of God by making disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. My name is Troy Weiniger, and I've been coming to Free City now for about four years. And I am a co-leader of the Stuart Weininger City Group. Yeah, and uh, we meet on Monday evenings from 6 to 8. So if you're looking to get plugged in, you have a great opportunity tomorrow. So uh, catch me if you are interested. Um, and I serve on the greeting team, which is a, oh yeah, <laughs> Julia, which is a great privilege and uh, just so special to welcome y'all in uh, on Sunday mornings. The sermon text for this morning is from Psalm 55 which can be found on page 445 in the Bibles under the seats. Uh, That is Psalm 55, page 445. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint, and I moan because of the noise of the enemy because of the oppression of the wicked. For they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them, he who is enthroned from of old, because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, Yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Please pray with me. Uh, Father God, we come to you, and we thank you for this morning. 
Lord, we thank you for the brothers and sisters who have gathered here this morning to hear your word and to worship. And Father, we thank you that you are a God who is not burdened by our burdens and our anxieties, but you are patient and you are gentle and you invite them. And Lord, we just ask you uh, this morning to please help us all to lay down our burdens and to be just very present in this place, that we would be um, open and receptive and have ears to hear the sermon text. Father, we pray for Ryan as he uh, delivers the word this morning, that you would just use him as a vessel to uh, reach, reach us and help us to just be very open to the, the text and the words that are spoken. And Father, we just, we just thank you for Central. Lord, we thank you for the relationship and the opportunity that we have to minister and bless and gather in this school. Father, we are, we are grateful. And we just ask you to uh, be with the kiddos in this school, uh, Father, that you would just help them to know Jesus. Lord, that you would, you would um, use us if possible or bring them into com community that would just encourage them and challenge them in this, uh, in this difficult season. Uh, Father, we just ask you to be with the administrators, the teachers, um, and that you would just uh, direct their, their path to you. Uh, Father, we thank you and we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. My name's Ryan. Um, we've been a part of uh, Free City for six years. My wife and I were city group leaders. Davis Miller City Group, what, what? Uh, Julia's in it. <laughs> um, it's, uh, we have fun. Uh, all the rest of my city group's out, apparently. Uh, Julia's, my family's here, Julia's here, Kenny's here. So, yeah. So anyway, how's everybody doing this morning? Good? Uh, I was thinking the other day, how do I know how long we've uh, been a part of Free City? And it's because we moved here uh, right after the Royals won the World Series. <laughs> and then I watched the Royals yesterday and realized how sad of a thought it was. It was just seven years ago that we won the World Series. And we're the, anyway, sorry, <laughs> sad here. Um, this morning we are starting our journey back into the Psalms. Uh, I've been thinking about this since I heard the sermon last week of the, what was it, uh, Summers, it was the, well, he said it like, uh, Psalmser, right? So I was thinking, oh man, I can do better than that. Uh, I was thinking, Summer Psalms Abration. Uh, if, if I was a graphic designer, it'd be Summer Psalms Spectacular, all spelled with like a P-S. Okay, I'm glad you're kind of laughing this morning. Um, this morning we are in Psalm 55. As we journey back in the Psalms, it, it's important to remind us what the Psalms are, right? The, the Psalms are primarily written by King David throughout his life, but they are a, a book of worship that the people of Israel would have had, right? You think of a, a, a Jesus, a baby Jesus, a teenage Jesus growing up um, in the Jewish tradition, this would be his prayer book, right? And so that's why the Psalms are so important because you, you won't see a, a book 
more polar opposites, right? You see the highest highs and you see the lowest lows. You, you see times where we say, Lord, forgive them, and then you see times where, like today, they say, let them burn in hell alive. It's a big gap between what the Psalms are, but, but one thing's for certain. The Psalms are an honest representation of a relationship with God. Good, bad, or indifferent, right? David is nothing if he isn't honest. And this morning, through as we kind of journey through Psalm 55, I want to kind of look at it like that. So it is a psalm of lament. Obviously, David is going through some things during this psalm. In, um, it's, a, it's a psalm that asks the question, what should I do when bad things happen to me? In this psalm, David is presenting a petition to the Lord, fully expecting him to hear his prayer. If you look at verse 1 and 2, this will uh, be a perfect example of this. This is what he says. This is how he starts. This is his thesis for his psalm. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me why I am restless in my complaint, and I moan. David starts his psalm, and it's going to get a whole lot deeper from there, but he starts his psalm with the understanding that what God gives his children is access to him. And so as he opens this prayer that's going to get to the core of why he's feeling the way he is, it's important to know that David is fully expecting the Lord to hear this. It's kind of a big deal, don't you think? Or maybe we don't think it's a big deal. Maybe we, we take for granted that there is a God that would hear our complaint. Or maybe you're like me, where I com, car, put, com, blah, blah, that car, compartmentalize the bad from God. My worship time looks like I have it all together, but inside I don't ever give God access to the stuff that I'm really dealing with. David is going to start off by saying, no, 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 I can't, I don't have time to do that anymore. I'm not playing games anymore. God, you get all. I'm restless. I can't sleep. I need your help. So this morning as we go through um, Psalm 55, we're going to do it under three headings. One's going to be the complaint. We're going to hear why David is feeling the way he's feeling. Two, and this is really cool. We're going to hear how he thinks God should deal with it, because David's very honest about how he thinks God should deal with it. And then three, we're actually going to get to the, the actual response, the actual resolution. So let's pray this morning, and let's just dive right into it. God, we thank you so much. God, I'm actually amazed at this moment, because, uh, I don't know, God, sometimes when I'm up here and I pray, it's something to do. But the opening lines of David's psalm kind of makes it seem like you're actually listening. So God, in this moment as we pray, even before we jump into Psalm 55, as we have burdens and we have pains and we have betrayal, anxiety, depression, God, as we talk through that today, would you listen? Would you hear us? Would you hear our pain? Would you hear our, our struggle? And would you do something about it? We trust you with that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so David is about to jump into the complaint. Now, 
Understand this, there, there's some psalms that are more like specific to a time. There are other more general psalms. And so this is one of those more general. We don't have a specific reason why he's complaining other than he's having a difficult time and there's a betrayal that's happened. So there's, there's no like, oh, this is when he killed the lion and somebody did this, or this is when he did this. That's going to be later this summer. But right now it's David's feeling it, right? He, he's in his feels uh, at this moment. The general condition of David and his complaint is... Um, He's just not well, right? What does he say in verse two? I'm restless. He uses the word like anguish, fear, oppression, anger. David is very much painting himself as the victim of a relentless attack on his person and on his soul, right? He's looking at the world around him. He sees it seems like everything's against me. It seems like there's pressure mounting, You see, the, the interesting thing uh, uh, about this psalm, David, his whole life is that, right? If you, if you read about the person of David, right, it, it, it starts with um, he's a shepherd and he kills a bear and a lion or something like that, you know, like those are stories we tell other people, right? He killed that. Then, then he goes into what? He kills Goliath, right? And then he goes and, and, and he's the, the talk of all of Israel. And then he goes and he, he spends some time with King Saul. He's having dreams. He's playing the harp. And then Saul gets kind of crazy and he starts attacking him, throwing things at him, getting mad at him, chasing him. Later in his, year, in his life, Saul, because David has been anointed king to replace Saul eventually, Saul chases him around all Israel with an army following him. Once he becomes king, it's not any better. He has seven years in his total life of peace. David is going through it. He goes from fighting an actual giant to emotionally abusive attack from a mentor, a father figure, to being pursued by an army. So when he says he's restless, I kind of believe him. He's one of those guys that has to sleep with one eye open, probably. Have you ever felt something like this? Yeah, maybe we're not being pursued exactly by an army because you were anointed king and the current king doesn't like that a whole bunch. But, but have you ever felt the piling on of circumstances? Have you ever identified with the saying, when it rains, it pours? If things are going wrong at work, well, then inevitably at the home, something's falling apart as well. Right? This is where David's at. David in this psalm is actually probably not a whole lot removed from where you and I would be. He's using flowery language, right? It's the psalms, it's poetry, he's using that. But, but let's, look at these psal- let's look at these words that he uses and how would we use them today? If you look in verse 2, he says, I am restless. It is a common problem today for somebody to say, yeah, I'm just dealing with a little insomnia. I just can't, I didn't sleep last night. I was up worrying. I had issues. In verse 4, he says, my heart is in anguish within me. Man, that, that sounds a lot like thoughts of depression, right? Inside of me, there's turmoil, and, and I can't fix it, and I have anger inside turned inward. In 4b, he says, the terrors of death have fallen upon me. It's not uncommon for us to talk to our friends and say, man, I, just, I don't know what it is. I'm just feeling paranoid. I feel like something bad's going to happen. 
In verse 5, he says, fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. Well, that just sounds like anxiety right there. So through sleepless nights, depression, through paranoia and anxiety, David's trying to muster it through. And on top of that, he describes another situation, a situation that you and I can very much relate to. Look in your Bibles to verse 12. After he describes these feelings of insomnia, depression, paranoia, and anxiety, this is what he says, for it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It's not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him, but it's you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. See, what's causing a lot of this is not just that David is going through a lot. It's then the thing, the person he had in his life that was going to stay there betrayed him. That's, that's real. That happens, right? Have you ever felt this level of betrayal? If it was a faceless person, then that would be one thing, right? But it's you. You're the one who did it. Maybe it wasn't a friend, but, but maybe it was your spouse, right? Maybe, maybe if it, it wasn't your spouse, a, a, a relationship, maybe it was your kids, something like that. But what if it's not that at all? What if, it's, what if it's something that you put your hope in, right? A thing, a system that betrayed you. Something that you put your time, your identity, your hope, your future in. That was the thing that you said, the, the thing that you said, hey, once I have this, I'll be fine. I remember being, um, being a teenage boy, and, and I have my son who's almost a teenage boy in here, so I want to be delicately walk this, but I remember being a teenage boy dealing with lust, and I said, well, once I'm married, I won't have to deal with that, and the other lies we tell ourselves. You can feel betrayed by these ideals. Once I have a kid, it'll be all fixed. Once I have the career, it'll be good. I'll have plenty of time to confess my sins once I get myself rid of all my sins. Seems backwards, right? You see, David has put his hope in this friendship closer than a brother. In 14, he says this, we used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in the throng. This is a man who pushed him towards God, and then that guy betrayed him. So to put in our, ourselves in David's shoes, it's rough, right? And maybe you can directly uh, understand it, but here's what I want to point out before we move on to what David then wants to do, because it's a little scary. I want to point out one thing that's very clear. I'm going to give like the, one of the main points right now. The reason we know this about David is because he confessed it. Oh, that was a good, mm. Hopefully we got that recorded. Just put it on my phone, just like anytime I make a good point. And that, mm, that was good, sorry. 
But he confessed it, right? David is going through it, and, and where you and I, and, and I, I, I like, it's like when you point finger, you got three pointing back at you, like you and I, I would never confess something like that openly so all can understand it. I would never hope that something I write thousands of years later would be preached upon and then everybody's learning all my stuff, right? Rather, I hold it within and I say, I'm over it. Oh, I guess I didn't need that friend anyway, whatever. David confesses it. And that's how you and I are going to start to deal with it in our own lives. Look at verse 20 real quick. My companion stretched out his hand against his friend. He violated his covenant. His speech was as smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. He, he, he uh, manipulated me. Not only am I betrayed, but I feel like I was set up because he talked smooth words. He lulled me to a sense of security and trust. So for you, if it's not a person in your life, it might be an idol in your life, that, that comfort that said, hey, if you just have a little bit more of this, be okay. And then when that falls out, we're done. If you just put this more time into your career. I had a friend once. Um, he betrayed No, I'm kidding. He didn't betray me. Um, no, early in uh, working in ministry, we used to do family ministry. We did couples ministry. And so we, we led this retreat. And I had a friend who was like, uh, for this company, he was the best salesperson in all the country. And he like continually got awards for it, right? And he's one of those big companies that sent you to like Barbados to give you the award, like cool company, right? And I remember his wife would talk to us and, and we were talking through this, this stuff and, and one of the things she used to say is, um, well, he would say this. He would say, hey, um, I obviously care about the family because I sell the most in the company and I'm able to afford the things that you have, and, and she would say something like this, every award you've gotten is an award that you haven't been home. He, the hours he spent in selling were the hours he wasn't spending with his kids, right? And, and, and so the career that he said, if I was only successful, betrayed him because success measured in money is not success. Maybe that's us education, relationships. What do we put our hope in? When David is, what David is feeling is not new to the world. It's not new to you and I. Feeling restless and overwhelmed is a condition of humanity, right? And, and here's the reason. You and I were created to walk with God. Sin ruined that and that longing inside to have belonging and to have, have rest and have peace will always go unanswered without God. So David is feeling this. Bless you. So, David, here's the pain he's feeling. Depression, anxiety, restlessness, betrayal. Things that are not new to any of us. And, and then he says this. And he says, I actually have, a, I have an idea how you should deal with this, God. 
So David is going to propose a response, and these are kind of funny, and we'll move kind of quickly through them, but he's going to do it under two headings. One is escape, and the other is revenge, right? So let's look at escape first. Once again, when, when we look at the words of David, these are words that you and I would use just under a different heading. So let's look at verse 6. What does he say? He says, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away. I would, so, so, so here's this. I would soar above all the haters, right? I'm better than them. I'm more justified than them. I'm looking down at them. Is that something you feel when you feel betrayed? Absolutely. So when you're restless and you feel betrayed and you want to soar, what do we do? Middle of the night, what are we doing? We're getting on social media, right? We're looking for people that would agree with us that we're better. Sometimes, and this is, this is a, a horrible habit of ours, right, is, is we look at that other person and hope bad things have happened to them since the last time you talked, right? The ex-girlfriend that dumped me, I, I hope she's not happy right now, right? And it's just horrible. We're obviously not over her. I'm going to pause. I don't have Facebook. I really don't. And for this reason, because what I was doing, and this is the confession time, right? I would, for years of my, I, I deleted it like four or five years ago. For years, it would be going through it and not commenting on a single thing. That's an unhealthy habit, right? That's like me living in their life. It was rough. And I would think through what they're posting, and, oh, I'm better than that, whatever. Oh, did you see what these? David wants to fly away. Why? So he can look down. But it's not only that. Look in 7. He says, I would wander far from them. I would lodge in the wilderness. I didn't need them as friends anyway, right? I didn't need them. I don't need their group. I got my own group over here. I'm better. I can be isolated, I can be different, and I can change my friends, my church, my career, whatever it is, year after year after year. Don't try to hurt me, I will run away. And then in eight, I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempt us. I will fly away above all of them. I will judge them. I will go away. I'll get my own friends in the wilderness. And then when I reach that, I'm going to build walls around me. Then that storm of betrayal will never hit me again. You see, David's describing a condition of yours and mine heart. That, that condition is this. It's called protection. We want to protect this angering heart within us. We isolate it. We use it as elevation. We're better than others. And then we put walls around it that no one is ever going to jump in it again. No one will betray this heart. So David's first confessed response is to escape. He's going to run away, fly away, build big walls, never get hurt again. Does it work? And that's it's a question for you. If you find yourself in any or all of these three categories, does it work? Is that something that you feel like in you? It's like, hey, that's something I do, and I've had success with it. Typically not, right? Have you ever left one relationship only to find out the same issue at your next relationship? But it's not with that person. You've ran away. You're better than them, and you've built walls. 
Have you ever left a job for more money or more respect, better position, because they didn't understand who you are, they didn't understand who you were, only to see that same pattern coming in your next job? This is not to say that you and I are not always the issue, but rather our impulse when things get really bad is to run away, to elevate ourselves, to build walls. And late at night, as David finds himself in this psalm, when the pain is relentless and you are restless, what's your escape? And here's the question. Once again, how do we know David escapes to here? It's because we confess it. What would you confess is your escape? And then we turn to his other impulse for God to solve the problem, revenge. If you look in verse 9, David's going to call down destruction and division amongst his enemies. Why? Because there is violence and strife within the city. He's calling and he's saying, hey, they're causing issues. Would you destroy them and divide them? David's feeling of restlessness and evil in the world, he uh, fuels his righteous call for revenge against his enemies. God, wouldn't you want to take revenge against these people? Wouldn't you want to divide them? Wouldn't you want to destroy them? They're against your people and your person. Why wouldn't you want death for them? But then it's going to reveal David's true heart. Again, let's go back to verse 12. For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him. But it's you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within the house of God. We walked in his throng. David is feeling affected by the very present betrayal of this person. And out of the abundance of that heart, this is what he says. Let death Steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. Put that on a coffee cup. David is calling down upon the betrayer, hell. He is saying, would you send them to hell alive for what they've done to me? You see, when David is feeling this feeling of betrayal, it is all welling up within him. He tries to escape, but the escape never works. And what he doesn't do is deal with it. And in that boiling up inside, it's saying, I just wish they would die. I wish bad for them. I wish evil for the evil one. But you and I would never say that, right? You and I would never do that. We're better than David. You and I have, have never, in a restless night, sat on our phone, scrolling, seeing that person. And said, not even said, just thought. And not even thought like with the front of your mind where you're like consciously thinking the things you would say, but rather that, that part in your mind that you really can't control what it feels, but you've learned how to filter it. I wish death for them. 
wish evil. Oh, something bad happened to them. They deserve it. David is dealing with some very real stuff. Very relevant stuff for you and I. David is, is, is looking at the way that at this point in his life, his world around them is constructed and is saying that I can't sleep. Thoughts of death overwhelm me. I want to run away. I want to fly away. I want to uh, build walls around my heart. I want to uh, have revenge happen on them and God most of all. I want them dead. It's so interesting to me that those things in our hearts that often go unconfessed are the things that sprout up in different ways that we don't expect. A lust issue, for instance, can, can often be correlated with some deep, unsettled anger. And this is how we act out in that. Our need for control of our lives because of how uh, things happen and, and those vows that we made to ourselves as kids is I'll never parent like this, I'll never do that. Those things tend to boil up and probably at the worst times. And you and I, when we're wondering why can't we get through it, it's because this, in and of yourself, is not the answer to your anger. In and of yourself is not the answer to your sin. You and I were created as humans to walk with God, and sin separated that. So instead of walking with God, we find other things that can fill that hole to walk with. A lot of it's relationships. A lot of it's comfort, a lot of it's control and power, a lot of it's these idols in our life that we say, I know how to get through it myself. A lot of it's that we've heard of the spiritual gift of self-control, and we thought we can do that in and of ourselves, and we can't. So here David is, in this un unnamed time, in an unnamed place, where he is saying, hey God, nothing left. I can't do this anymore. I think I want to run away. I think I want them dead. But, but I need you here. And this is where God's going to enter in. This is where God's going to enter in. Look at 16. But I call to the Lord, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and I moan. And what does it say there? He, he hears me. He hears my voice. There's a promise. I utter my complaint and I moan, and he hears me. What does 18 start with? He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. And then in 19, here's the promise again. God will give ear 
and he'll humble them. He was enthroned of old because they do not change and they do not fear God. Church, we, I, yeah, that's better. I need to do a better job at confessing. I need to do a whole lot better job of talking about these things that are within me. Because David's kind of given some promises here that God will respond to. And God has this journey with us that he tends to respond to those things that we're confessing. There's not a whole a lot of sin in my life that go unnamed that he deals with. And, and maybe we, some of us don't know that in the room. That if we're not ready to talk about them, God's probably not going to be dealing with them. He's ready to deal with them. He was ready on that cross. He did it. But you and I, our, our, our journey is that we would confess that, that God would bubble up these things. David, in a time of restlessness, wants to escape and wants his enemies to die. And what he's saying is, but God, I want you to save me most of all, and I don't feel like you're saving me. Call to the Lord, and the Lord will save me. He hears my voice. He redeems my soul. And he will give ear and humble them. That's a positional change from where he was. He was in this anger and betrayal, and then positionally he changes to, God, I need, I need you. I have the answer, and I think you should, this is what you should do to, God, you're the only answer. That's one of the things confession does, is that it, it, it boils up within our heart this understanding that, yeah, we can't deal with our issues ourselves. So David changes from let them burn alive in hell to God, you're the only one that can save this. In the end, what David needs, what you and I need most, is that the burden lift. He can't see straight. He can't sleep. If, if it were up to him, death and destruction would be for his enemies. The life would lead to bitterness and revenge, internalizing struggle and depression and getting us overburdened. And here's the solution. Here it is. If you have your Bible, turn to verse 22. It'll be up on the screen. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. The answer to the overwhelming and to the, the overwhelming nature of the problem and the burden that we carry with us is not to carry it, it's to cast it on the Lord. And if you're like me, at this point I am saying, okay, good church answer for all of this. Okay, yeah, okay. God, you can have my burden. Not, right? I want to think through this here um, because let, let's build this case. If you have your Bible, go to Matthew eleven twenty-eight. And I want to I want to I'm going to show in the Bible why this is important, and this is kind of where we're going to land. Um, 
We're not doing horrible today. Great. All right, so this is where we're going to land. So Matthew eleven twenty eight is going to be on the screen behind you. So here it is. Um, this is Jesus talking, remember. And this is he's talking to his disciples and those who are hearing, right? This is, this is a big talk, right? And he says here, come to me. Don't, don't think of a disembodied voice. This is an actual person saying this to you. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What is David's first complaint? Is I can't sleep. Jesus calls that he will have rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. Why? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The, the, the weight of, of, of revenge and evil and anger, the weight of your idols is too much for us to bear. But Jesus says, I have a better weight for you. But then you would say, kind of logically we would think, that, okay, yeah, Ryan, whatever. This is a man who lived a long time ago, and yeah, he said some good things, but what is it about Jesus that would make this real? What is it about Jesus that would would make this a better thing? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help when in time of need. What the Bible understands is this, is that Jesus, God, stepped into sin. The gospel is not an escape plan, but rather it is God coming to us. And not just God coming to us, leading this good life, and then go and say, be good, peace. It's God coming to us, being tempted as we are. It's God coming to us and being betrayed by a kiss. It's God coming to us that when, when it comes to it where his followers would stand up and take arm for him, they deny him and run. It's God coming to us, getting pierced with the nails, holding it open so that his shoulders are broad enough for you to cast your burden upon him. Because it is only in the cross that you can ever be free of that burden. Church, we can get so lost in this idea that we have it. We live in a very self-reliant society where we are kind of Jesus-light. He told us to to do good things, but he doesn't give us a path out. It's wrong. The Bible only claims that the reason Jesus works is because he stepped in in your stead so that, and listen to me, So that instead of you being burned alive in Sheol, he did it. Instead of you carrying that weight to find a way to save yourself, to run away and seek revenge and never fully getting free, he said, cast your burdens upon me. So is that that good news? Is that good news? As we prepare for communion, I, I wanna, we're going to go different directions, right? There's, 
Um, behind the black curtains, there's some prayer. If you're feeling some of this kind of unconfessed anger, bitterness, these thoughts of like, I, I feel so weighed down, can I, can I just encourage you that this morning, instead of coming forward to take communion, that you, you can maybe go back there and, and, and give as much as, or as little as you want about the situation, but just pray as David prays at the beginning of this, that God, would you hear me? And that's what we're going to agree with you on that. If you come down uh, forward, we have um, wine in the stoneware, grape juice in the, in the, the glassware, and, and that is to remind us that how Jesus gets those burdens is through his death. How he gives us hope is through his resurrection. And then in the back, there is gluten-free and juice options at the welcome table. But this morning, as you come, come and give your burden. Symbolically, whatever, just would you trust God with your burden this morning? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for, um, gosh, Jesus. We thank you so much for your son. We thank you so much that I don't have to figure this life out myself. I don't have to forgive myself. I don't have to, I don't have to do all this stuff, but rather it's you. It's you who does it. It's Jesus whose shoulders are broad enough to take my burden and then who gives me his yoke, which is easy and light. God, would we all believe that this morning? Would we all run to you, be honest about where we're at so that you might heal us? In Jesus' name, amen.